students from our most recent uh, teachers class that we uh, had here in the last uh, few months. And so we've been hearing great speakers every Wednesday night sharing the word of God. And uh, they've done a great job, haven't they? Last week we had some men uh, break the word of God down for us and did a great job last week. Amen. So here on out tonight and then next week we have ladies and then that's it. Amen. And so we're excited for them. We're going to start out tonight with a young lady named Miss Yasmin Clark. She's going to come and minister the word of God. So y'all please receive Miss Yasmin Clark as she comes and ministers the word of God to us. Amen. Good evening. <laughs> All right. We're going to start. Um, our main text is going to be James 2.17. Or actually 2.14 or 2.14 through 17. All right. All right. So um, it says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of, oops, what is it? Oh, uh, destitute of daily food, uh, and <laughs> if one of you says to them, "Depart in peace, be warmed and filled," but you do not have, you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So I would say that our faith has no power if we do not have um, accompanied with our works. So the title of my message tonight is Igniting Dead Faith. So, <laughs> uh, um, my first point will be, make sure that your faith is in God and nothing else. And I'm going to go to Hebrews 11.1 1 in the Living Bible. And it says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. If it is... It is a certainty that what we hope for is wa or waiting for us, even though we cannot see it up ahead. And I looked up the definition of, of faith in the Webster's Dictionary, 1828. And it says, faith is a firm, cordial belief in veracity of God in all the declarations of his word, or a full and affectionate confidence in the certainty of those things which God has declared. And because he has declared them, and I didn't know what veracity meant, so I looked it up as well. <laughs> so um, it, it means habitual observance of truth or habitual truth. As a man of veracity, his veracity is not called in question, which, of course, God does not lie in his word. It's always the truth. So, and I also looked up faith in the Greek, which is from G4102, which is from G3982, which is pistis. And which is the persuasion that is credit, credence, moral conviction of religious truth or the truthfulness of God or a religious teacher, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation, abstractly constancy and such profession by extension, the system of religious gospel truth itself, assurance, belief, um, belief, faith, fidelity, which I also looked what was it in the strong, oh no, the blue letter Bible, there was like a summary of some sort and there was one where it said, belief with the predominant idea of trust or confidence, whether in God or in Christ, springing from faith in the same. And you may be thinking to yourself, I have faith, now what? And of course, like through, 
My first point, we must have our faith and trust in God only. In order for our faith to work, it has to be connected to the right source, which is, it's like, I thought of it like a car where if your car is not connected to a battery, you won't, ha you won't move. So no matter how beautiful it is on the inside or the outside, it's not going to move anywhere. And we are the vessels of God. So he, if we stay connected to him, that's where our, our power comes from. And of course, being that we, once we became born again, he transferred that power to us. So, um, and actually kind of, well, I don't want to say experience, but I went through a, um, well, I thought of a story to go with this. Uh, <laughs> um, my mom's friend was having car troubles and Initially, she thought it was her alternator, and I'm like, eh, it might not be because we have the same car, same make and model, and I had kind of similarly, like, had the same issue, and it happened, like, maybe a year or so ago. So I told her, like, well, let's check the battery, and she's like, eh, no, it's this, like, these symptoms are happening, and I'm like, well, okay. So, and I thought, because that was the same thought I had initially when that happened to me, and long story short, we wasted a lot of time going somewhere else, um, buying a part, and I just couldn't shake the feeling of, let's check the battery light. So I jumped her car, and of course it turned on. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was just like, okay, there's, there's times when God is sending you a word through someone else, and you have to be able to receive that word where it's gonna keep you stirred up. So that brings me to my next point of Stay connected to others with like, uh, like precious faith. So we must be surrounded by others who believe in what we believe in. We have to continue to stir ourselves up even, more, even the more. We accomplish this by constantly meditating in the word day and night. We can also accomplish this by being around others who are testifying of the goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ in their lives. I don't know about anyone else, but that makes me start questioning, well, what must I do or what am I not doing if I'm not seeing any type of manifestation in my life? So I'm going to go over to 1 Corinthians 15.33 first. And it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And we're going to go over to um, Proverbs 27.17. And it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And I also want to see that in the Passion Translation. Um, it takes a grinding will to sharpen a blade. And so one person sharpens the character of another. So we'll also go over to Hebrews 10. 24 through 25 and New King James. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much, so much the more as you see the day approaching. So good company, um, the company you keep matters. And Miss Sakina, she really ministered on that a couple weeks back, which was very awesome because if the people that you're around does not stretch you, then you shouldn't 
be in company with them, which is why small groups matter, which is why coming to service on Wednesdays, Sundays matter, because if you're not stir if you're not getting stirred up by other people in the service, who's actually stretching you? You can't stretch yourself. So and it's that one instruction that has you all in your feelings. It's the very instruction that will bring you out of that situation you've been dealing with secretly. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the one it's the one instruction that has you all in your feelings. It's the very instruction that will bring you out of the situation you've been dealing with secretly. So we're going to put our trust in God and only and keep stirring ourselves up constantly. And now we'll move on to my last point of igniting, also helping us ignite our faith. Um, when we're living a life of faith, something has to be produced by an instruction um, you receive, which is why we must display our, our faith by our works through obedience. And I thought about, like, okay, well, how can I, like, this, uh, show this? So, of course... I go to Hebrews 11, 17 through 18. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac, your seed shall be called. But I don't know about any other parent because I only have one child. <laughs> I don't know if I could have did that. <laughs> so it took his faith. He had, to, he had to trust in God. He had to believe in what God had already promised him, which is that's going to be the seed that's going to produce more. And we'll also go to Genesis 6, 14 through 16, and then also 22. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's width 50 cubits and it's height 30 cubits. You shall make a, wi a window for the ark and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in, it, it, in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. And I think had Noah not been obedient, had he not did what God told him to do, which was build the ark, even when he knew no such thing as rain, he still did that. He would have died with everyone else, him and his family. Not only God would have had to create more men and women because everyone would have been wiped off, off the earth. So we're going to go back to James 2.17, but in the living Bible. And it says, so you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. You must also do good to prove that you have it. Faith that doesn't show itself by good works is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. And it makes me think, about, think back to the time when I was trying to um, get my prayer language. And that was like two years ago. <laughs> and I came up and spoke with Elder Baker about 
okay, I would like to receive the gift of speaking in tongues. And at first, nothing happened, but I didn't know anything about faith. Although I had been saved, I don't really know how long, it was a little bit, but um, I had to go back and meditate in the word. And I went, like, way back. <laughs> like, there's, there's, like, just so many videos and sermons of faith in this ministry. And I actually kind of put a pause there. When Initially, when I came here, I came through a sharing of a post from my cousin. And I was just strolling, like, okay, whatever. And I came across the post that you guys made on Faith Increase. And I don't know, like, okay, I just clicked on it. And although I had watched other teachings, there was just something different. Like, I didn't know anything. I'm like, eh, there's something different about these two. Like, the way they're talking, the way, like, what's coming out, it's just different. And when you were, Pastor, when you were speaking this morning about revelation, that made me think about that. I'm like, okay, you're revealing this is what's the truth. If this is faith and the demonstration that your testimonies of what you had all been going through as far as the healings and manifestations of different things, I'm like, okay, this, this is something that I want to be under, like, as far as a ministry. So, of course, I wasn't able to come consistently at first because I wasn't working. I was working on Sundays. So I would just listen when I could, and then, of course, sometimes I just had to put my phone down and um, go to work. <laughs> but um, initially, because um, we bid every six months, we, um, we bid every six months. I didn't know that I had Sundays off coming that next bid because when I first started coming, it was during the week of COVID. I didn't know anything. I'm like, what, what's going on with all this stuff? And I just thought, like, oh, they have a service. Let me go that Wednesday. And, of course, it was during um, Redeemed from the Curse. And I started coming during that time. So, <laughs> so, of course, coming during that time, it built my faith up. Like, this is a different type of ministry. It's not just, okay, we're going to church. We're going. We're just doing just something regular. And it, it was just a whole different I can't even put my word, like, my thought, like, say what it is, but it just was different than what I, I experienced in other ministries. And there was no stretching, I don't think. Either I wasn't paying attention or it just was hidden, as you said this morning. <laughs> and I couldn't think of, like, I couldn't think of anything that they would say, but I felt myself, like, just going back to the word. Like, I went through each season, like, the first season I think it was on at that time, and then I went through the entire website and all the messages and stuff like that. So it was like, I just wanted to know more. <laughs> I wanted to know more because I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything at that time. And of course, when you're raising someone else outside of yourself, you want them to know that as well. So I'm like, well, I have to, I need to start doing this. So of course it was just strange to my son, but now it's just like, okay, you're just gonna go with the flow because it is what it is. <laughs> but I, I say all that to say, you have to use your faith. You have to use the instructions that are given through our man and woman of God because they're not given that word for no reason because God's word doesn't return to him void. So I would say for our faith to have power, um, for it to be uh, remain ignited, we must make sure we're not putting our trust or faith in anything or anyone other than God. We have to surround ourselves with other fellow believers to stay charged, and we show that we are in faith by our works of what we've been instructed to do. 
Come on, give her a big hand tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You search, you'll find. Amen. And God will open your eyes. What a blessing. We got to have our faith ignited. Dead faith is no better than no faith. You got to make sure your faith is alive. Amen. All right. At this time, I'm going to introduce somebody I know very, very, very well. I've known her for 18 years. And uh, it's my baby girl, Miss Lydia J. Anderson. Would you please come minister the word? Thanks for this opportunity to be up here, you know, kind of nervous, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with prayer to calm myself down, first of all. Father, I thank you, Lord, that tonight, God, that you would use me, Father, that your people would hear this word, Father God, not as the word of men, Father God, but your truth, Lord, which is settled in heaven, Father God, to prepare their hearts to receive all that will be said tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... I'm going to start in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. And this is going to be in the New King James Version. It's on the screen if you don't have it in your Bible. And it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what I want to talk about tonight is this phrase that is a lot in our vernacular. And it's nobody's perfect. We've made that phrase so common, even as Christians. People walk around, and they say, nobody's perfect. We use it as an excuse, and we use it as a handicap in our lives. When someone brings correction, what do we say? Nobody's perfect. When we see something that convicts us on a personal level, we say, nobody's perfect. Right? But that's not the truth that we should accept as Christians. God wants us to be perfect, and we hear this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. And it said it wants, he wants us to be perfect just as he is perfect. No matter how hard it may seem in this world full of temptations, we can all attain perfection. Becoming the perfect Christian does not depend upon our own works. Rather, it is dependent on us trusting God to complete the work of salvation in us. Now, it said confidence is the very thing that he has begun a good work. So when was that work begun? It was began the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. I'll give you a chance to get there so I don't talk too fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you there? Y'all ready? You still, oh, you still turning. Okay. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he is the author of our faith, so he begun this work, and it says that he will complete it, so he is the finisher of our faith. My title tonight is Becoming the Perfect Christian. Because remember, we're getting rid of that phrase, nobody's perfect, because God wants us to be perfect. My first point, we must be confident that God is working in us. I'm going to look at my main text, Philippians 1, verse 6, but this time let's look at it in the Amplified Classic. It says, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing, 
that he who has begun a good work in you will complete, will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full in you. So it's God working in you. It's not yourself. You don't have to rely on your own strength because that's hard, isn't it? We don't have to rely on our own strength. We are relying on God to bring it to full completion in us. Let's also look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 through 13. And it says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So we see that and we say, hey, I got to do this myself? No. <laughs> Let's look at um, verse 13. It says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So it's, we don't have to do this ourselves. Don't, don't think of this as self-help. Think of this as becoming the best you. God is working in us. So we have to believe that. Amen. Let's also look at that same scripture in the Amplified Classic. I like this translation if y'all can't tell. <laughs> and it says, therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. That, that's hard again. This is getting worse, but it's not. Let's look at verse 13 again. It says, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So not only is he going to give you the power to do this, he's going to give you the desire to do this. He's going to give you the desire to be perfect just as he's called us to be. Let's also look at 2 Samuel 22, verse 32 through 33. Y'all got it? <laughs> All right, it says, For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? Verse 33. God is my strength and power, and he makes my way perfect. So can you tell your neighbor that God is your strength? And your, power. and your power. So it's not in your own power. Um, now, why do people walk around saying nobody's perfect? Why do they think that they can't attain the perfection that we know is in Christ? Y'all, it's because there are so many temptations in this world, right? You open your phone, temptation. You go to school, temptation. They're everywhere. Now, back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I looked at something. And though it doesn't say there are temptations, right, there's a word in there until the day of Jesus Christ. But in until, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. Whether you see it in the scripture or not, there's a lot of stuff going on. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, because I think this will encourage us a little bit. Until. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus, he walked this earth, this very earth that we are walking in, no matter what year it is, what century it is, 
Jesus walked this earth and he was tempted even by the devil himself, right? Um, let's also look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, de- seeking whom he may devour. Excuse me. So he's walking around. He's looking for you. He knows what you like. He knows what you're looking for. And he's going he's gonna to put it right in front of you. But let's go to verse 9. It says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So uh, everybody's going through it. It's not just you. It's not just your neighbor. It's everybody. Verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So he's going to perfect you. He's going to establish you in your righteousness. He's going to strengthen you, and he's going to make you settle, right? Um, I also want to look at James chapter 1 and verse 2 through 4. And that's going to be in the Amplified Classic. It says, consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness, steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking in nothing. So after all those temptations that you went through, you're going to be settled, you're going to be established, you're going to be perfect, lacking nothing. So just endure it right now and know that the end is coming. My last point um, is we must anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ. And I don't think I said my second point. It was we must endure current trials and temptations. Amen. But my third point, we must anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ. So in Philippians 1 verse 6, it said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. But we have to know that there is the day of Jesus Christ. We can't live like that's never coming. They've been talking about it for years. It's never coming. But it just might come in your lifetime, so you might want to be ready, right? So Jesus is coming back. We must make a quick work and make the quality decision to walk in our righteousness and live in holiness. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, let's look at it in the New Living Translation. It says, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus, when Christ Jesus returns. So on that day when he returns, that work needs to be finished. You need to have it all the way wrapped up. Be done with your sin. But guess what? He's going to shock you, so you can't just, you know, lollygag. You got to be ready, right? Um, let's look at this verse, which I think is really good. Romans chapter 13, um, verse 11 through 14 in the Living Bible. <laughs> okay, this is really good. So y'all look at this screen pay attention to this one. It says, Another reason for right living is this. You know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. 
For the coming of the Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day of his return will soon be here. So quit the evil deeds of darkness and put on the armor of right living as we who live in the daylight should. Be decent and true in everything you do so that all can approve your behavior. Don't spend your time in wild parties and getting drunk or in adultery and lust or fighting or jealousy. So basically all the temptations wrapped up. But ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you live as you should and don't make plans to enjoy evil. So remember when we said that Jesus sympathizes with you, he sees your weaknesses, ask him for his grace. Let's look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 8 through 9, because there is a reward for doing good. There's a reward in the end. Don't think that, you know, life for Christians is so hard. We have this long rule book. Rule book. It's so hard. Look forward to this reward. It says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Amen. As I close, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, um, verse 14 through 16 in the easy-to-read version. It says, we have a great high priest who has gone to live with God in heaven. He is Jesus, the Son of God. So let us continue to express our faith in him. Jesus, our high priest, is able to understand our weaknesses. When Jesus lived on earth, he was tempted in every way. He was tempted in the same ways we are tempted, but he never sinned. With Jesus as our high priest, we can feel free to come before God's throne where there is grace. There we receive mercy and kindness to help us when we need it. So that grace, it's not giving us an excuse to keep sinning or to keep living this life of lust and all the other temptations that were in there. We can have this grace to give us the ability not to sin. So as I close, don't give up. No matter how hard it may seem to overcome temptation and become the perfect Christian, we must continue in the faith and allow God to work in us. We can ask him daily for his grace and mercy so that we can be ready when he returns. Come on, give God a great praise tonight for the word. Amen, amen. We strive for perfection. Amen. God will help us get there. We ought to definitely be better today than we were yesterday. Growing more and more in the Lord every single day. Amen. When people make those excuses, don't go along with that. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just a human. First of all, no, you're not just a human. You're born again of the Spirit of God, of the Word of God. You're born in His image. Shake off that humanity. Rot in that divinity and let God perfect you every single day. Amen. Give God one more big hand tonight for the Word of God. Miss Lydia. Now, I'm going to ask Pastor Caleb, if you'll come and introduce our final speaker tonight. Come on, can we give God praise all over this place? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, it's such an honor just to be here with my spiritual parents again. We try to get here every Wednesday. But tonight, uh, I got the privilege and the honor to introduce someone very, very special to me. It's my little sister. 
Alicia, well, I would I would even say um, just aspiring missionary, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> but she's a preacher, I, I promise you. So let's let's put our our cups out, as they would say at the church. Don't put them buckets out. Let's get ready to receive from the Lord. Come on, one more time. Can we give God praise? Yeah. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Let's just give God another hand clap of praise. He is good. He's worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. So let's go ahead and give him our high priest the praise because he deserves it. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying. Thank you, Jesus, for rising again with all power in your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just speak in this place, that you use me to say what you want to be said, Lord. Remove me, and Lord, just let all of you be released in this place. Jesus, name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So as you're taking your seat, you can just turn to um, Daniel chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And while you're going, I just want to say, I just want to give honor to God and then also to pastors uh, Jonathan and Pastor Kim for just allowing me this opportunity. And also to my pastor in his absence, Pastor William Anderson Sr. I do bring you greetings from Pentecostal Temple Church of God in Christ. And, um, yeah, I'm just, and also my parents for being here. I'm just so glad to be here as well. All right, so Daniel chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And it says, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's de delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the, to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. And then verse 8 says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Just turn to your neighbor and say, Please excuse me. Please excuse me. That is that that'll be my title for for the for the next few minutes. See, in the text, it was the third year of King Jehoiakim ruling over Judah, and King Nebuchadnezzar took his men and surrounded Jerusalem. Of course, not out, not out of his own might, because the Bible says God gave Jehoiakim into his hand and allowed him to take articles of the house of God. See, Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to carry these articles into the, 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 the treasure house of his God. And, 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 and um, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to show that, that the supposedly superior strength of his God over our God. But, only, but if he only knew that, uh, that, that his God was, was, was little than our God. 
I heard a preacher once say that every other religion serves a God that's in the in-between, meaning that those gods aren't as wise or as strong as our God because they are dead and man-made. So they still got to go through him. So I'm so glad that we don't serve the gods in the in-between, but we serve the big G God and not only serve him, but he has given us total access to him. Now, if you look back in the main verses at the beginning, we'll see that Nebuchadnezzar did all of that. After, after he did all that, he told the chief of his officials to bring him some of the sons of Israel. He wanted these young men to be without blemish, be good looking, be gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, having the ability to serve in the king's palace. He wanted the best of the best. Now, why couldn't he find the best of the best in his own place? He had to pull from where God was, from God's people to get the best of the best. See, among these men, uh, among these sons, these men were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And they taught the young men their literature and their language. And the king assigned a daily ration for them from his finest foods and from his wine. They were to be fed and educated like this for three years. Not only did he set up all of this, but he wanted to change their names. I don't know about you, but my dad always tells us that our name is in important. See, he wanted to change their names because their names contain some form or variation of the Hebrew names of God and then change them to names with references to the pagan God. See, Daniel, meaning God is my judge, was, was changed to Belteshazzar. Hananiah, meaning Yahweh is gracious, was changed to Shadrach. Michelle, meaning who is like God, was changed to Meshach. And then Azariah, meaning Yahweh is my helper, was changed to Abednego. Woo! See, see, the enemy will do whatever to try to make you forget who you are. He will send people in your life who, who seem as if they are following God in church or in a church setting, but in turn they do the exact opposite when in different environments. Romans 8 and 5 says, For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit his will and his purpose and that's the amplified version and these people may say that they are christians but still live and see with the worldly view so then you become confused and start to conform if your spirit is not stronger Whew. The enemy will also try to play mind games with you and tell you you aren't good enough, you can't do this, you can't do that. And he then starts to try to change your name and change who you are with negative labels and in reference to the world. And if you do not fully understand who God is, then you do not know the truth of who you really are. I'm just reminded of, uh, I think it's Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus asked uh, the disciples, who do they say that I am? And then Peter, Peter replied back, says, you are the son of man. And, and, and it, was so, it was so rich because after Peter said that, he said that, that the flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but only the Holy Spirit could reveal that to you. And so because of that, woo, I'm going to build my church on your confession. Woo, thank you, Jesus. So it's then also that I'm going to give you the, the keys and then nothing, then the gates of hell cannot prevail against it because you know who I am. And in turn, when you know who I am, you know who you are. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Nebuchadnezzar tried that with these boys, but verse 8 <laughs> says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. See, he asked to be excused. <laughs> He asked to be excused from the meals because he did not want to taint himself by eating the foods that were first offered to the pagan idols or that were unclean. Eating these foods would indicate that he was loyal to that God. Now, I want to park it here. If you have time later, go ahead and read the rest of the story. But I want to park it right here on verse 8. And the one thing that I love about this verse, it says that Daniel purposed in his heart. See, purpose is the past tense of purpose. And just to make it even more plain, when using it as a verb, purpose means to have as one's intention or objective. Two phrases that stood out to me when reviewing this word was set one sight on and set out. Daniel purposed in his heart, set his sight on, set out to not taint himself because his heart's confession was solid in God. He was faithful to God and was not afraid to explain the reasoning behind his request. It did not matter what the devil tried. It did not matter if Daniel and his friends were outnumbered in an unfamiliar place. It did not matter if, the, if, if that was all that there was to eat. It, it did not matter. Daniel still asked to be excused. Come on, turn your neighbor again and say, please excuse me. Woo! See, we have to be just like Daniel and, and purpose in our hearts that we won't let anything deter us from honoring God with our life and our bodies. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 19, 20 tells us that the, our body is not ours. It was bought with the price. If we didn't pay it, Jesus did on the cross. Woo! Now, if you want to turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 2 in the Amplified Version, it tells us, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above, keep purposing your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. See, we've literally been raised with Christ. In, in, in Romans, I think chapter six, it says that we were we were dead. Chapter eight, chapter six, so it says that we were dead in Christ, that we were dead in our sin, and so we died with Him, and then we were raised with Him again. So why should we continue in sin if we were raised? So we've literally been raised with Christ. Our eye view is not on the things of this world because these things are too low. They are below our spiritual standard. The things of the world are below our spiritual standard. And when it's below our spiritual standard, our natural standard will meet up with our spiritual standard. If you keep on with Christ, if you allow it to renew you and to change you, 
As believers, we have no reason to look down because, all, because our all in all has been highly exalted and has been given the name above all names, and this man is Jesus. Philippians 2, 8 through 10 tells us, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In the Bible, it also tells us that curse is a man that hangs on a tree. Jesus became a curse just for you and me. Therefore, in, in Philippians 2, 8, 8 through 10, it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which, above, which is above every name, that, it, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and, and of those on earth and of those under the earth. So then verse 3 tells us that when Christ died, we died, and now our life has been hidden in him. The word hidden means preventing something or someone from being seen. So no longer are we seen as slaves of sin. We are seen as slaves of righteousness. No longer are we seen as carnal. We are seen as spirit-filled. No longer do you see the Alicia that I used to be, but you see the Alicia that God has made me to be, that he purposed for me to be. I got to go to the scripture. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says... Let me, let me get to it. Let me get to it. <laughs> Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we shall walk in them. We were created. We are his work. We are his masterpiece. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works. But God already prepared us. God already created us. God already destined us to walk in the path that he made us to walk in, which is the good works. He prepared beforehand. So no longer am I Alicia. No longer are you the old Pastor Jonathan. No longer are you the old Pastor Kim. But you are the one that God already prepared beforehand. Before you sin. Woo, Jesus. <laughs> Before you sin, before you had that first strength, before you had that, that first hit of whatever, he, cre he created it beforehand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. So every old thing about us has been washed away with Jesus' red blood, and now we are white as snow. I love Pastor Jonathan's explanation of chapter two of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, and it says, In Christ, we are a new species. New creature was good, but I just like the, the further explanation of new species. That means we, we, I, I've been telling my brother Keith this whole, this whole weekend that we're not human, we're not female, we're not male, we're not black, we're not white, we're not, we're not, we're not whatever that the world construct may be, but we are a new species. Our mind is different. We're wired differently. This is because our human self died and our life is Christ. I could have said our life is now in Christ, but not our life is Christ. So turn to your neighbor and say, I am hidden in Christ. I'm hidden in Christ. In Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul was encouraging this church because, of, because the, the faith of the new converts were being distorted and tainted by the Greek mystery religions and mysticism and threatened by Jewish laws and customs. This is why in this chapter in verses 5, five through 6, well, 5 through 8, 
Paul told them to put off and to put to death their members of this earth. And some of these things that he listed off was fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, covetous, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. And true change is putting away the old man and his deeds. True change is putting away the old man and his deeds. See, the Bible tells us in Romans 12 and 2, do not conform and be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can discern what the will of God is. See, being a new man means we are continually renewed in knowledge and likeness of our creator, which gives us full revelation of God. See, this new revelation renewal is done only by Holy Spirit. And when putting off these things, we have to allow Holy Spirit to help us realize, as verse 12, Colossians 3.12 tells us, that we are the elect of God, meaning we are chosen. We are holy, sainted, meaning set apart. We are beloved, meaning adored. So we are to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, which is patience. And we are to bear, we have to bear with one, with one another, forgive one another, and above all these things, put on love, and also allow peace to rule our hearts, and also have thanksgiving abound, and also let wisdom dwell, and everything is done in the name of Jesus. I mean, we're not giving, we're not, we're not giving Jesus what's left. We're not giving him our, 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 our first, our first things, but we're, we're giving him what's right. We're giving him what's due. Even when we don't feel like it. And like Lydia said, we can't do all this alone. We can't put it off alone. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. So we can't we can't find ourselves at the table and then and then not be and then and then don't, then don't be like Daniel and not have the willpower or desire to say, please excuse me, from the table that holds everything the world offers. See, verses 5 through 6 listed everything that the world offers less offered us. But as Christians, we can't be afraid to remove ourselves from environments that we are not supposed to be in or around the sin that we used to deal with. I've been telling my, my sister this. We've been talking all, all the time about how that whatever we're dealing with, the devil is going to put it in our face repeatedly. It, is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how twice removed we, we may be from it. But because of this, this world, this age nowadays, everything is, is so, it's so, it's so like, instant. Everything is just, it's just, it's just out in the open. They don't care. I know back in the day, they used to try to hide the sin and everything. But now nowadays, it's just okay to do it. It's okay to drink. It's okay to party. My mom, I'm sure she wants you to tell this story. When I, when I just graduated from um, high school, I was at my, um, my friend's graduation, graduation party, and her mom made us jello shots. And so <laughs> the mom made us jello shots. And so, and, so, and so if you know me, I'm, 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 just, I'm the same person. I'm just very quiet. I'm just very reserved and everything. So I just, I was never going <laughs> to. I was never going to do that. And so, and so they, of course, they were, all, they were all doing it and everything. And then one girl. One of my friends. Now, mind you, my friends, we, we're just high school friends now. I love them. But it's just when you get older, you're just, yes, moving on, and you find other friends and everything. And so I love them, but they just can't be in my, my instant circle. So, so I, I, I was there, and my friend offered me $20 just to take the little jello shot. One 
a little jealous. I didn't do it, of course, because I just, I realized, I was like, you know what, I don't want to do that because I know that, that I want to tell my kids one day, and this is my testimony, I want to tell my kids one day that I've never had anything to drink. I want to tell my kids one day that I was able to say no to that. And so, and so in turn of me doing that, I know that they will say, if my mom can do that, that means I can do it as well. So we cannot be afraid to remove ourselves from those kind of environments. Just turn to your neighbor again and say, please excuse me. Please excuse me. <laughs> See, these environments do not bring us anything but death. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that we have no agreement with idols because we are the temple of the living God. We have no agreement, meaning no binding contract, meaning that anything that, that they may have tried to do, like that $20 you tried to give me, I have no agreement. I could have taken the $20 and still not drink it because <laughs> I don't have an agreement with you. I have one agreement. That's to follow Jesus. See, just like Daniel, our relationship with God touches every area of our lives, including what we eat. Excusing yourself from the things of the world is easier to say, but hard to do when not planted, planted in the word, in a good church, or around a good community. I'm so thankful for my church. I'm so thankful for my family. I'm so thankful for my community. And also for this church as well, just coming here on Wednesday nights, just, 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 just being just... Just being just, just I don't even know, just drowned it with the Holy, with the, with the Holy Spirit and the Word, just, just good. And also for current church as well. But just, just being, I don't know what to say. I'm just drowning with it. But see, Daniel had his friends to back him up and take a stand with him. They knew this would cost them something, yet they were willing. Do I have anybody in here that knows that when you say, please excuse me, that it'll cost you a lot of things, but yet you are still willing to do it? Doesn't matter what king is there, doesn't matter what's going on around you, you're still willing to take a stand for the Lord. So because they said, please excuse me to the things of the world, God granted them favor and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs, and Daniel was able to propose a plan. See, I think we're not in a situation quite like Daniel, and we are able to excuse to be excused without proposing a plan. But you have to purpose in your own heart that you will not allow anything to defile you, taint you, or stop you from living for God. Let's just stand to our feet right now. Let's just, let's just say, Lord, Lord we, thank we thank you for dying, but not only that, for raising us up with you so that we can say, please excuse me, to fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language. Jesus, we thank you for having the name above all names, for having dominion above all things, and for giving that to us. Now give God praise. Thank you, Jesus.
Come on, give God praise in this place tonight. Come on, give God a praise if you're sold out for Jesus Christ, sold out for his kingdom. You're not going to turn back. You're not going to turn down. You're not going to go away. You're going to keep walking with God if it costs you your life. Hallelujah. We don't love our lives to the death. We're going to walk with Jesus Christ all the way. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give God one big praise tonight. In this place. Glory, glory.